And we are back for our second podcast this week as we continue our big season preview of Oklahoma football. Last episode, we talked all about OU. We asked a lot of unanswerable questions, and we also told you who we think needs to have an All-American type season in order for Oklahoma to win at least 10 games in the regular season. Now we've got even more, beginning with prompts. By the way, are we? I'll be honest. I have no thoughts on Arkansas State. Oklahoma should win the game. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not going to do a deep dive into Arkansas State as we have a lot more things to talk about preseason-wise. I came prepared with some Arkansas State uh, superlatives, but that was only if it if it was brought up. I I, I, I agree with you. If I, I just... I. I have lost interest over the years in, in looking deeply into these uh, to these mid-major programs who OU is going to to beat <laughs> badly, even in even in six and seven seasons where they beat them badly last year. Although it's it's kind of fun looking into Kent State last year because they actually had some dudes. Granted, that and there was a that was game two though. I mean, so they at least had a, a game on tape. I think they played Washington uh, before, so it was like, all right, we can kind of watch them like. Yeah, anyways, I'm not going to go back and try to find games from Arkansas State in 2022. So this podcast, Grant, I'll let you run this part, this prompt, throw it out there, and we will react to Ty Hildebrand of the Solid Verbal Podcast. All right, so what we did last year uh, for our season preview is essentially what we did is we took a bunch of negative kind of like national media narratives or storylines, and we... Or no, we, we took positive ones, right? We positive, took positive yes. ones. And we poked holes in them just to kind of bring a little bit of balance to it. And so this year, I don't necessarily have like a lot of stuff, but I kind of wanted to do something in the same vein. And so I, got, I just got some prompts here, and I'm going to bring them up, and I, I want you to answer them for me. It's just it's going to be kind of a thought exercise here. So here we go. This, is, this kind of has a national flavor to it. So here we go, Lee. Ty Hildebrandt of the Solid Verbal Podcast. Lee, he is one of the very few national college football voices to have picked the Sooners to win the Big 12 this season. He's picking the Sooners despite one massive red flag that he sees, Ted Roof being the Sooners' defensive coordinator. Hildebrand's logic is very simple. Ted Roof has just not led a good college football defense in a very long time, if ever. And it's hard to foresee OU's defense being good with Ted Roof at the helm tell me lee why is that wrong um because uh, ted roof has only had one season under his belt when brent venables is also on coaching staff granted actually that's two seasons because he was an analyst at clemson so this will be the third year that he's worked with brent venables brent venables is one of the best defensive minds in college football it's Brent Venables' defense. And so with a, a year under his belt, actually two years under his belt, the player's more comfortable, Ted Roof more comfortable. I'd say there's a shot. or better than, than, uh, than, I guess, what you would think normally with Ted Roof for maybe his defense to not be as atrocious as it has been in the past. That's why that could be wrong. Well, Lee, I put this up here just because I, I, this is one of the things I thought it was, I just thought it was interesting with him still picking the Sooners to win the Big 12 despite this. Uh, Ty Hildebrandt is a, he's, he is familiar with Ted Roof. He has, he has coordinated one of his favorite team's defenses before at Penn State, and they were really bad when he was there. And so that's, that's kind of shading his, 
<laughs> where he's just like, gosh, I can't believe that they would hire that dude. Um, but so I, I guess I would say he's wrong. It, mostly, yeah, but it, it's it's the it's the same talking point of this is actually Brent Venables' defense, right? Um, right, right. There's there's other things too. Ted Roof clearly is a very likable person. I do think he is a good recruiter in the sense that whenever he is around guys, young men, they really like him a lot. He can kind of speak their language. He does that really well. I'm not really aware of any sort of big recruiting wins that he's had ever since he's been on staff or anything like that. Um, but this guy, he keeps getting jobs, so people clearly like him a lot. Um, the, one, the one thing, though, Lee, that Ted Roof has on his resume that not a lot of people have he was the defensive coordinator for a national championship winning team. He's got a ring, man. Yep. How many people on OU staff besides, or even in OU's building, besides Brent Venables and Todd Bates, can say that they have a ring on their finger, that they've done what it takes to get there? And I like Auburn's defense, the year that they won the national title, it wasn't great or anything like that, but... They did shut down what at that, you know, I think going into that game was probably the best offense in college football in Oregon in the national championship game. Ted Roof drew up that game plan. I mean, that's his one shining star on his resume. (laughs) 13 college football seasons ago. An absolute just... When OU won their last national title in 2000, which I think you and I would agree was kind of the first year that you and I were kind of like really conscious like conscious of the of the college football world 13 seasons prior to that was 1987 <laughs> thank you where i mean the sport could not have changed anymore over that over that time frame yeah that's true well maybe dejon terry is uh the second coming of nick fairley yeah wouldn't that possible. be something wouldn't that yeah, be yeah. cool if they if Dejon Terry, a guy who started like seven games at Tennessee last year and then transferred after the spring because he wasn't sure that he was going to have a starting spot there. Wouldn't it be something if he was just a massive <laughs> stud and Ted Roof brings it out of him somehow, even though he doesn't coach the defensive line? Yeah. Hey, Todd Bates is supposed to be pretty good. All right, next prompt, Grant. What do you got? Lee and CBS's season preview of the Big 12. Their group of experts, which includes people like Barrett Salee and your favorite college football writer, Dennis Dodd, their group of experts <laughs> slated OU as the most overrated team in the Big 12, with the reasoning primarily being that Brent Venables needs to show proof of concept first before they're able to pick them to challenge in the conference. After last season, I, I, I do think this mindset is it's rational, obviously, but it kind of also strikes me as a little lazy. Lee, tell me why this line of thinking is wrong. The CBS experts. Well, CBS experts, are you familiar with Brent Venables' second season as a defensive coordinator at Clemson? The jump that defense took? How that team went 11-2 and that season with a better defense? In year two of Brent Venables, not to mention... The offense that Oklahoma is going to be running is in year two under Jeff Levy. Same starting quarterback. Offensive line has uh, been talked up quite a bit despite losing some guys to the draft last season. And also, Brent Venables, he's had a history of success. Granted, he's only been head coach for one year. But you could argue that a down season is an outlier. 
for Brent Venables because all the guys known is winning and winning at a high level in a lot of football games. And you know what? This is the Big 12 we're talking about here. Oklahoma is the most overrated team. Have you not heard of the Texas Longhorns? Every single year, they're overrated every single year. It's at the point now where I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I actually am starting to kind of like buy into Texas in the preseason. I, it's like I've been, my body's been transported somewhere else. I'm always guy who doesn't care about Texas and always writes them off. And I'm even starting to kind of think, well, Oklahoma's not here anymore. Like we've kind of seen in the last decade. So it might as well be Texas's time. I guess did I start arguing against my point? I think I did. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> well done. Well done. Imagine like the basically until the last like minute and a half, I think, is where I should just stop there. But anyways, that's my uh, that's my pushback on these CBS experts. But hey, you know, uh, Dennis Dodd, though, he's, he's going to probably be right. He never gets anything wrong. I guess my uh, my argument here would be that. OU is OU and they don't really stop being OU after a after a six and seven season, six and seven season where they they still had like a lot of good players and whatnot. They had the best offensive line in the conference. They had the best offensive lineman in the conference. Um, they honestly arguably had the best wide receiver in the conference last year in Marvin Mims. Um, I, OU doesn't just stop being OU just because they had one down year in which kind of a lot of things went against them. Um, they're also, outside of Texas, just in terms of recruiting success, are, are, just, are well ahead of everybody that they're competing against in the Big 12. Um, Lee, they also have, on paper, uh, probably the second easiest schedule in the entire conference behind their, uh, their state brethren, Oklahoma State. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it just the whole the whole taking twenty twenty two as gospel for OU, um, and I'm seeing this a lot in the national media of people who are just very skeptical. And like it's it's rational. It's rationally skeptical after what you saw last year. Um, but I'm kind of surprised there's not many people who are just being like, "This is OU. They're still they've had back to back top ten recruiting classes. They're you know that they that they have more talented players than everybody that they're going to play against Sans Texas." Um, I don't think it's totally, in fact, I, I also find it rational to be like, yeah, they're going to put it together and they're probably going to be a lot better this year and win a lot of games by virtue of just their athleticism and their talent level. Yeah. Um, that's, that would be kind of my pushback on that. So Lee, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of that last one because you just started kind of getting into it and this is my next prompt, but it's essentially why does Oklahoma and Brent Venables need to show proof of concept while Texas is the overwhelming pick to win the conference? Okay, yeah, no, that's where's I the why? Explain, <laughs> explain that standard to me. That's a that's a great question. Uh, I just, you know, Sarkeesian's going into year three. Uh, he was uh, he had a worse season than Venables his first year. They were five and seven in Sark's first year. Totally unexpected. Didn't you know? Didn't as a team that was not. I, I'm sure their season win total was probably something like eight, eight and a half that year. They go five and seven. Last year, they also underachieved, finished, what, like eight and five, but at least they had a winning record. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, like I said a moment ago, I'm, I'm even starting to kind of buy into Texas, but a lot of that is because of how down I am based off of last year on OU. And I want to be wrong about that. I'd love to be wrong about that. Uh, and like, who else in the conference can really, I don't know, like without those two teams, like I don't get excited about Kansas State. I don't get it like really pushing Texas. I don't get excited about TCU having another crazy, awesome year. 
Texas Tech, I know they're kind of like a hype team. We'll get into it. So I, I but it's a great question though. I mean, Sark has been very underwhelming in two seasons. And to kind of go back to your last question a little bit, I kind of thought something at the end when you were saying, uh, I can't believe other people out there in the national media aren't saying stuff like, well, it's, it's Oklahoma. Like, they're going to figure it out. Like, why aren't they saying that? My answer to that, Grant, are like the Stu Mandels of the world, like the Colin Cowards, probably a lot of them. They were so right about OU last year. They're just doubling down. They're like, hey, here we go. I, I got OU figured out. So like, let's keep it going. And honestly, I don't blame them because we were wrong. And we talked about all last offseason about how, how sweet it's going to be come January whenever all these sports writers are going to look stupid because Oklahoma you know, won 10 or 11 games in the regular season, flew over their win total while USC you know, goes something like 9-3 and three or 8-4, and four, and we were totally wrong. <laughs> so that's probably why there's nobody really in the national media that's kind of back in OU because they were right about him last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. It's, that's probably a lot of it, too. And um, I, I think a lot of people want to uh, think that there's sort of like a natural bias against OU. And, and like, I'm, I'm not calling anyone crazy for that. Like, I, I feel that a lot of the time, too, where they're definitely... I, I, OU, and, like, OU and Ohio State are the two most consistent programs in the history of the sport. They, if, if you take the sport as an entire history... OU and Ohio State both don't really have any down periods of any significance whatsoever. Um, and I think that gets really boring to a lot of people. Although I don't really think there'd be a lot of national people relishing an Ohio State down period. That's just me. But maybe that's just me with, with the glasses that I wear. Maybe, but no, it's a great question. I mean, if OU goes 8-5 and five this year, that'll be uh, an underwhelming season. But technically... Uh, it's an improvement. They're kind of in a holding pattern, and it's just a, basically the same thing that Sark, the same path that Sark's been on. Yet going into this year, you know, Texas is the pick to win the Big Twelve, and you know, people are, are high on them. But it's like it's like that every single year. That's why it, it feels kind of weird for me to think like oh, they might have it figured out this year. But a lot of it has to do with the conference they're in right now. I think the conference, even though there's all these teams in it now, OU just seems like it's down. And you know, will Texas take advantage of it? I I, I don't know historically they did like once even though i guess in 2009 it wasn't yeah i don't know if the conference was down in 2009 but or no like they they lost to bama but like 2000 you would know more than better than me like when they won the national title yeah the big 12 was dreadful that season okay so there you go all right well that was interesting what's next this I think this is the most this is the most interesting. I think this is the this is going to be the one that gives the people the most warm and fuzzies, gets people the most excited. Lee, here we go. If Oklahoma, our beloved Sooners, if they go 12 and 0 in the regular season and are in the top 5 of the SP+ overall rankings, what went right this season? Why did it happen? And how many of those things are actually realistic? All right, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I think a 12-0 regular season and top five, like a, a true team that could potentially, you know, maybe win a playoff game, Jackson Arnold's the real deal. <laughs> and, and he came in and he played a lot of games. Like, oh, like he was the starter after like a couple weeks, kind of like Trevor Lawrence in 2018. Like maybe they kind of went back and forth, but then they were like, oh, we got to go with this guy. And, oh, by the way, this defense in year two has made a giant leap. 
and is taking advantage of this on paper weak schedule that turns out to be somewhat weak. But they're not just winning games. OU's defense is doing what Clemson's defense did all those years against bad ACC teams for the most part, you know, save for maybe one to two contests a year where they just strangled opponents and gave them no chance while the offense would put up 30, 40 points and Clemson would win 41 to 10 against NC State, you know, against Pitt. Like just against all these teams, you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Uh, the offensive line's great. The running game is awesome because that's what Jeff Levy wants to do. Uh, the time of possession thing is, is not killing OU. You know, maybe they hold the ball. Maybe they're in the middle of the pack. They have the ball a decent amount of time, so the defense getting a little bit of a breather. I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, individual players. It just sounds ridiculous to me to say, like, Justin Harrington is an elite player at Cheetah because, I mean, I got to see it to believe it. But all of these things I think would have to happen. But it's hard for me to imagine a 12-0 OU team with Dylan Gabriel as the quarterback the entire year. That's the main one, I think. Yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. I could – I mean, I – I can see Gabriel being the quarterback of a 12 and 0 Big 12 team, but not without an offensive line that's at least the best in the conference. And you know, I saw Chuck and Barnes have to be the real deal. The guys who are just who who the other team has to focus on. That has to be their number one priority is stopping these guys, um, thus opening up other stuff for Dylan Gabriel down the field. Which is, I mean, that's the entire blueprint of the Bear Raid. So. Um, offensively, it's a lot easier for me to see it just going really well just because it's a gimmicky offense and maybe they've gotten the right guys in there and maybe Walter Rouse is a really good player at left. Maybe Tyler Guyton's a first-round pick at at one of the tackle positions. And maybe Walter Rouse is also really good. Maybe Savion Bird is is that dude. You got Andrew Rame in his third full year of starting and same with McCade Mattia, his fourth full year of start. That's a lot of experience and a lot of talent blended there. Um... On the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, you would need to at least make like a Texas-sized jump, like that their defense did last year. Um, I I feel like maybe the only way that that's realistic is Billy Bowman playing at an All-American level, which I think we can talk ourselves into being realistic about and being healthy the entire year. Um, I think Stutzman probably has to develop into an All-American level player, which. I think is much less likely, but you can also talk yourself into that being kind of realistic. Um, they probably need one of their corners to emerge to be at least an all-conference guy. Um, and then they need at least a couple of guys on their defense to be, or on their defensive line to be like first-team all-conference guys. Um, which I, Bothroyd, I, I can pretty easily see that just because He's going to play a lot, and he, you know, he he was a, he was a productive player at Wake Forest, highly graded player, um, and it wouldn't totally shock me if, like, an R. Mason Thomas or even a Trace Ford kind of comes out of nowhere and has like ten or eleven sacks, something like that. Um, but it would need to be a combination, I think, of all of those things, or just have to be really freaking lucky. <laughs> like TCU was not a top five team in college football last season. We got a lot of good breaks. They made plays when they needed to. And hey, they had they did have NFL guys at pretty important positions. And then they got to play a freaking Big Ten team in the playoff. 
not an SEC team, not Deshaun Watson Clemson, a Big Ten team. Man, I got to tell you, that, like, people are all over Michigan. This thought, man, they, that's outside of Georgia, they're by far the most common pick to win the national championship. And I'm, and like, I, I get it. They were, I mean, they were 13 and 0 going to the playoff last year. They smoked Ohio State in the, la- in, in the last regular season game. JJ McCarthy, I think, is pretty good, is a really good player, actually. I think he's pretty good. Um, I, did people not see them lose to TCU? <laughs> and like, I, I don't know. I just I that showed me like I and I watched that game over about a week ago. They were playing it on ESPNU, like the, the top twenty five games of last season. Michigan wasn't that more talented than TCU. Crazy game. TCU was better than Michigan at the skill positions. Is that like I'm sorry, like Michigan ain't beating anybody of of consequence if they don't have an NFL wide receiver on their team. Period. Yeah. Well, hey, they just lost their NFL receiver to the Sooners. How hilarious would that be? <laughs> I mean, that's too good All to right, be true, well. but hey, I mean, it sort of happened with nobody ever heard of Jamison Williams, and he goes to Alabama, and he's amazing. He's God. So, Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I know. I think last year we didn't even really pick a final record for OU. I, if I had, like, regular season – yeah, we'll just do it off the cuff. I I say OU goes I say they improve by by 3. I think they go 9 and 3. I I think they're going to they're still so going I'm I'm still in the same spot as last week, man. I'm I'm still leaning under on the win total. I Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they go 12 and 0. That'd be cool. Yeah, if 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 you're forcing me to put put money on it, like actually put my money where my mouth is. I'm I'm still slightly leaning towards the under. Um, that just seems to be the most just the most realistic play right now. Um, but I I I don't know the the fan in me is is thinking I, I I don't see really any reason why they can't go 11 and one and and be in the Big 12 championship game. Just play better, be healthy, and just and and don't make stupid mistakes and when you just can't have them. Mm-hmm. And be healthy, and they they like they will be they will be in a position to win eleven of their twelve regular season games if the, if those two things happen. All right, before we go on to the Big Twelve, let's actually jump up the David Stone topic. My only thoughts on this is obviously number one, good. They needed to get this guy. I mean, he was in their backyard up until five minutes ago. Five star. This is. You know, defensive line. This is, you know, why a big reason why we were excited, excited about Todd Bates. And they kind of missed out on some guys and they finally get one. Okay. Keep it rolling. I am a part, you know, kind of goes with the whole theme of the show, the theme of last week. I, I mean, he's a Oklahoma City, Dell City product. I mean, talent level, not particularly awesome around here. I know he went to IMG. Okay, cool. So I don't know. I mean, I, I best don't know case if scenario. you should be all. I don't know if you should tut tut like the. I mean, Oklahoma. Like the best class that OU has had since we've been OU fans is that 2006 class that had that had just a bunch of Oklahoma guys who are awesome. Or had the three of them: McCoy, Bradford, I was gonna, and Gresham. Let's say best best case scenario. He's like a Gerald McCoy. You know. 
he's that type of type of player. But I mean, I know these guys weren't five star players, but I mean, look at. I mean, coming out around the same, I mean, Oklahoma City, like big defensive linemen, guys in the middle. Uh, I mean, Jalen Redman was was good, showed flashes, couldn't say healthy, four star, three four star, but like he was one of those freak guys in play. Uh, and then I think back to, God, what was his name? I remember Ron Tatum? He was like a four star guy, didn't even like like left the team, didn't even play. Wow, that's I don't think he made. I don't think he made um, it through the first fall camp. I'm trying to think if there's any other like defensive lineman yeah i mean that's it's not it's not anyways that's it's kind of just going with uh, the skepticism i mean i i love it five-star guy uh i thought i had seen him play a couple of years ago when he was at dell city turns out i was wrong it turns out there's another guy that <laughs> that was like to my in my eyes was like one of the like the best player on the field i looked him up the other day I guess he's at NEO right now, so I I don't recall seeing uh, seeing Stone play. But um, anyways, hope he turns out to be a monster and is an All-American. You're an elite evaluator of talent, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. It's it's obviously good winning. I mean, getting five star recruits is good. I want more of them. More of that, please. Um, and I, I mean. Winning solves all, man. They go ten and two, eleven and one. They're they're gonna get a lot more of those guys. Like, I, I I still think if they would have, I mean, if they could have just won two or three extra games last year. Their recruiting class last year probably would have been a lot better. Probably would have gotten one or two extra guys. People people want to play for dudes who are winning, win, and you'll you'll get them. Winning, like, this is well, yeah, winning, and they also want to play for guys that can get them in the NFL. So. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to kind of knock that off the list because the you know most of the rest of the show is not necessarily fully OU um, themed. Anyways, Big Twelve, what's next? I want to start with this just before we go into what 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 are your thoughts on the uh, just the Iowa State and Iowa betting scandal? There's Iowa State four starters are no longer with the team. I I don't know if that's been confirmed. I know. I know it's been confirmed, like Jarrell Brock, their starting running back. He's not with the team anymore. Um, Deckers is, I, I think everyone's just been kind of saying that his, he's just done playing college football. I mean, they're, they're part, like, I think they I think got charged with felonies. So, like, they're, so, I mean, they're, they're going through the legal system. But, yeah, Iowa State, four starters who will not be with the team this year will not be playing. Uh, Iowa had some guys, too. I think th- there were some guys implemented from Iowa who, who were transferred out. Actually, one of the guys transferred to Oklahoma State and I think they're they've already said that he's not going to be part of the team um I just kind of what are just what are your general thoughts on it do, do you know much about it I mean I've heard of the story I I have not I have not read into it at all um what I'm not clear on are what are the possible penalties if convicted of whatever whatever charges they've received um, because obviously they're not, I don't th- let's see. I'm trying to think like, I don't think this is, this is like an, this is not an underage betting thing. Is this, they're on the team. So they're not allowed to wager on stuff or, or is it like, I think it's like a, some sort of conspiracy. I, I, yes. I'm reading a story and I, it's very, I think technically it is like, it's fraud because they had other people place the bets for them. 
Um, okay. So I, I, I do need to, I, I probably need to, to be a little bit more buttoned up with that exactly what the, but they do have actual state charges against them. Like they are in trouble with the law. And so hmm. I just want to get this out of the way right now, just because we can talk about sort of more like the philosophical and moral aspects of like, you know, betting on or, or against your team or whatever. Um, just want to preface this by saying I like I agree with enforcing laws that are on the books. If you pass laws, you should enforce them. That being said, it's an absolute joke that they're spending resources to prosecute this. That is ridiculous. An app just a complete waste of resources and time and taxpayer money to do that. Um that's how I feel about that. The other I I guess yeah, from a legal perspective of what they did, this is weak sauce. This is not that big of a deal. Um, from a, like, from a philosophical moral perspective of being on a team and doing things with your team or against your team, that's a different question for sure. Um, but yeah, from a legal perspective, this is a complete non-story completely. Right, I'm looking at Adam Rittenberg's story from August 10th about Iowa state and Iowa. And he says, according to the criminal complaints filed Thursday in district courts for the players, some of the players, they face the charge of tampering with records, which is an aggravated misdemeanor for allegedly concealing their identity in electronic wagering activities. That includes Iowa State running back Jarrell Brock and three of his teammates. Let's see. Iowa receiver Jack Johnson was charged. Um, I, I guess with the same thing. It doesn't specifically say what they were charged with. Um. The charge carries a maximum sentence of up to two years in prison and a fine of up to $8,500. So my thing with gambling, uh, I think it's important, and this is like, you know, you see it with Calvin Ridley, you know, and he got suspended for an entire year. It's important to come down hard on players gambling because you have to uphold the integrity of the game. You can't have any sort of whiff of anybody like any sort of action being tampered with, but that's separate from what this is. Like, I, there's actually I, they're being charged with. Let me read that again. Uh, tampering with records, an aggravated misdemeanor for concealing their identity and electronic wagering activities. So they, I, they, I mean, they they just had they just had other people place bets for them, or they put a fake name into like the draft. Kings like if thing. that's all it is, if Weak that's sauce. all this is, and has Weak a maximum sauce. sentence of two years, that's that is. Uh, I feel like this is designed for like other thing. Like there, this must be a a law on the books for other. I don't know, like that doesn't necessarily do with gambling because. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe somebody who's smarter than us could explain why this is actually a, a big deal. I'm not going to pretend to be a, an expert on it, but I, yeah, it does that's, sound ridiculous. I guess, yeah, from my perspective, legally, it's just not a big deal at all. At all. Um, from, yeah, like I said, it, it's, it's a different question when you're talking about your team and, and the integrity of stuff. Um, even then, I, I don't... Like, I don't know. I, I'm just of different minds of this. I, I guess, because, like, one of them, especially, like, the, uh, I think one of the Iowa dudes actually, like, no, no, it, it was the Iowa State guy. It was the defensive lineman who was one of their starters. Actually, like, I think during the 2021 season, so that was Brock Purdy and Brees Halls last year, they actually bet against Iowa State, against the spread against Texas, 
But Iowa State ended up winning that game by four touchdowns. And like I saw that, and I kind of laughed because I was like, "That's that was clearly an emotional hedge." Yeah, that's clearly no, what that was. Read more like, of it. Apparently, some of the players were underage. They had somebody else do it for them. Okay, well, that's like your underage gambling. Yeah, it's. Like I said, enforce the laws that are on the books, but it's weak sauce. It's just not that big of a deal. It's like that's as like underage gambling is just as big of a deal as underage drinking, which is it's not a big deal until someone gets hurt. Um, and I don't, you know, there's a lot of steps you got to take to get to that point. And there's other stuff I know, like de- like there's stuff that I, I don't know if this came out for anyone else, but like Hunter Decker's, it was something like, and he had, he had there's like over a hundred like hundreds of bets he had placed, but like the average wager was like seven dollars or something like that. So it was like not it was chump change, it was nothing. Yeah, just just having fun, just putting a little. But and that, I mean that also brings up the logic of like I mean if you're Deckers, that's all you're betting. Like average, you're only like you only bet like a little over a grand on stuff like total like and all your bets like and you're actually going through the trouble to do that. That's also kind of silly. <laughs> like if you're gonna go through the trouble, man, you'd better be laying fat stacks on that. <laughs> and another thing, and we'll, we'll close the book on this. Move on, but there's this can't just be an Iowa and Iowa state thing. This has got to be a thing. And like other States just haven't caught on or just aren't even, uh, going after charge. I mean, like what are the odds that it's just Iowa players that, Oh, really low here. I'm sure this is going on in a lot of places. Um, like sports gambling is legal in more than half the country now. So like, this is, yeah, very bizarre story. But yeah, I mean, it's very, it's 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 very, it, it is, it's difficult to police because I do know, like, in the professional leagues and stuff, you can't bet on anything, right? It's not even just like they just they don't even let you do anything. It's, but I, I'm, it's not a, I don't think it's, it's like illegal though. It's, it's more of like the sports. Yeah, exactly. No, that's just the NFL yeah. rule. That's why Calvin Ridley got. Yeah. But I, I think Calvin Ridley did bet on an NFL game though. Uh, but yeah, I think he was doing like he threw down like an eight leg parlay or just like some. I mean, obviously going to lose, you know. But it's also just you know, I get that, and it's hard to police, and it's probably easier you know for all parties if you just if you just you just ban it for all sports. You just can't bet on anything while you're in pro. And hey, if you're a professional athlete, you're going to pay tens of millions of dollars. Like that's that's a pretty fair compromise. Um, but also, it's also really fun just to throw a little cheddar down on stuff. <laughs> Hard to police. Like I, I totally get it. Like I, um, and I, I, like I'm not as I'm not as strident with thinking that like, you know, these guys like can't ever go like be in a locker room ever again. And I, I, I'm not going that far. But it's a lot easier for me to understand that argument from this side. Um, the legal stuff, I just, I don't, I don't think there's an intellectual argument that holds up to scrutiny at all for why you would be spending resources on that. So do we know if Hunter Deckers is going to be allowed to play? I'm looking over the internet and there's doesn't seem like there's anything clear on it. There's nothing definitive, but it's just, I just assumed that no, I mean, he's the Iowa state came out with a depth chart earlier that he was not on it. Huh? Oh, that's actually probably for the best for Iowa State, honestly. Yes, that actually, let's let's use that to segue into our Big 12 talk because here you go. Wow, I've talked myself into Iowa State is clearly a sleeper in the Big 12 this year. Oh, 
Okay, well, that you got me listening because you got the the pulse on Ames, Iowa, when it comes to this podcast. Um, well, it's it's mostly just like I, you know, Hunter Deckers is not a big loss for them at the quarterback position at all. Um, and frankly, neither is their running back or whatever the tight end was. Their their offense was going to struggle to move the ball anyway. I mean, their offense was terrible. It's really bad. Yeah, they're going to struggle to move the ball anyway. If they're better, like I think I think they have a, like a pretty decent chance of just having a spark by throwing in. J.J. Cole is actually like a blue-chip recruit. He's a freshman. I mean, they just give him a spark. Just throw that guy in. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, Iowa State, I I think everybody... Did everyone just forget that they by far had the best defense in the Big 12 last year? And I, I know they went 4-8, and eight, but like it's... You know, they, they also had a lot of one-score losses as well. Um, and, and like, I'm not saying that Iowa State's going to be good, but like, you know, like really good or anything, but... Like it's not going to surprise me if they go seven and five. I mean, they do have um, get into it now. They they have who I personally think is the best defensive player in the conference. T.J. Tampa, guy's awesome. Guy's so good. Um, and so he's he's at you know one of the most important positions in the entire sport. And so I don't know. I, I just I want to throw it out there. I, I think the everyone's just kind of writing off Iowa State. I think like their their over under is just off the board now. Um. And so I think everyone's just sort of penciling them in to the bottom of the conference. And I was like, eh, kind of seems like that's right where Iowa State wants you. Well, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Let's see. Four, five. Okay, yeah. uh, I'm I'm seeing maybe, maybe four wins. Maybe five if they're lucky. So, no, not buying it. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. I mean, they're going to open the year. I mean, they're going to lose to Northern Iowa. Don't they always lose to Northern Iowa? They do lose to Northern Iowa. It seems like a pretty, pretty not. Or at least great they play a know. tight game with Northern Iowa. They always lose to Iowa, except for except for the one year that I picked Iowa to win. They actually beat. Was that last year or two years ago when they actually finally beat Iowa? They beat Iowa last People, year. So like they'll probably revert back. They'll probably lose to Iowa again. Uh, you know, they got Oklahoma State. You know, toss up. They could beat Oklahoma State. You know, hopefully that hopefully OU beats them. You know, I guess that's not a gimme for the Sooners. You never know. But I mean, TCU at Cincinnati at Baylor. Who knows what Kansas is going to be at BYU, and then you finish up with Texas and K State. Not an easy schedule. I can see why their win total is so low. No, I can see it too. It, where it was just, but I don't know. I mean, I they're they're still going to play good defense. It's going to be a good defensive team if they can find anything on offense. Um, I don't think it's totally. I don't think it's a huge stretch to say, I mean, like, they played, I feel like they played in more one-score games than OU did last year. I mean, what if just, like, a couple, they get a couple of just massive breaks this year they didn't last year. Sure. So, I, I don't know. And this is, uh, it's like, it's not me, like, talking myself into Iowa State. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really think they can win more than seven games or anything like that. But would it surprise me if Iowa State is just kind of back to being the Iowa State of the last, like, five or six years? No, it wouldn't surprise me. They still got a really good defense. John Heacock is still there. John Haycock. Come on. Who? Put, put some respect on his name. Haycock. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as... I guess we're going to go sleeper team. I'm looking at the... the you know, I could see... Uh, of like the new teams. UCF. UCF with Gus Malzahn. Kind of feisty, right? I watched, um, I watched a UCF game the other day. I think I watched it on Sunday. Um, was there... Uh, 
That was one of their games last year. When they played, they played Tulane in the and uh, for the first time last year. I watched them, and um, oh man, I if if OU's defense hasn't improved and if they're kind of still the same OU defense of the past, John Reese Plumley is going to give them so much trouble. <laughs> Garrett Green on steroids is what. He <laughs> yeah, is. I was gonna say if Garrett Green, like oh my gosh, this guy he can run. He's allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, they got a kind of a fun got Kent State and Boise State in the non-con to start the year. It's kind of fun for uh, UCF. Pretty sure Kent State like literally lost their entire program. Oh, did they? Their head <laughs> coach is boring. now is now Dion's OC at Colorado. Colin Schley is the backup at UCLA. Um, trying to think, who are their uh, uh, Dante Cephas is at Penn State now. Devontae Walker, the other guy, is UNC's number one receiver now, but his eligibility is in question. It hasn't been ruled on yet for Saturday. I guess Houston has Donovan Smith, former Texas Tech quarterback, on its team. Correct. Why is Houston's Why is Houston's win total so low? Four and a half. Like Houston can't go five and seven. Dana Holgerson, why not? Put your bunny where the mouth is, man. They're they're in the pick segment coming up here. I mean, UTS is UTSA still good? Yeah, I think they were. Uh, they lost like I think they lost their top two receivers, but that was like it from their team. And their their quarterback is back. He's pretty good. He's like in his seventh year playing college football. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They got kind of a tough schedule. Yeah. I don't know. Well. Yeah. I mean, the Big I'm Twelve. Not, like I. I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I. I don't like. I'm. I'm not really sure where to go in the Big 12 this year because um, there is, like, a lot of stuff that that I feel like could happen. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you want to talk about the Texas of it all? Let's just kind of get it out there just because um, they – I mean, they are – like, I, I know I had the prompt in the, uh, you know, earlier in the show about, like, you know, why is – why does OU have to show proof of this, but Texas is kind of already doing it. Um, or Texas is already getting the benefit of the doubt, it seems like, this year. Um, they are the overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12. They have, um, everyone is picking them. And the thing that kind of worries me is that everyone is picking them with the caveat of, I know that Texas is always overrated. And I know the reason why they're picking them is because, like, I, I hate to say, it, on paper, they are over the overwhelming favorites on paper. Yeah. Like, I mean, it I is. The reason why... The reason why it was always kind of a joke in the past when people would talk themselves into Texas was because you could go up and down their roster and it was pretty clear that they didn't really have any of the best players in the conference. They, they did like at some positions. Go and look at it this year and they like they do. They have they just have the best players in the conference. Proved like the proven best players in the conference. And it's it sucks. I don't know. Like I'm I, I am hoping that there is just there is just that Sark magic where he's just not able to win more than eight games and that they just can't do it. But, like, it's, I don't know. I, it sucks. I look at Texas' roster. They have the best collection of pass catchers in college football, and that's scary. Yeah, I mean, Quinn Ewers got to get in the ball first, though. And I mean, he's, he's, he's a good player, but Quinn Ewers is not, like, a world beater. I guess yet. I didn't realize how bad um, he was down the stretch last year. Well, um, he's, he's, but the, the issue is the Big 12 quarterback, it, it's down. I mean, He's like the guy. I mean, look at their guy. I mean, Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, okay, nice player. We know he's limited. Jalen Daniels from Kansas City. Kansas City. 
KU, Kansas City. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, good player. Kind of came out of nowhere. He's kind of a bit player, though. He was banged up. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, he's back after being injured. Um, you know, Will Howard at Kansas State. I He's had one good season. Okay, I kind of. Tyler Shuck at Texas Tech. He's good. I think he's good. I think he's the uh, he's he, he's kind of the dark horse best quarterback in the conference. Hmm. Okay, I I haven't seen it, but uh, and then the, I know people are gonna get excited about Chandler Morris, um, but I've never been super big on him. Uh, I mean, he won that job always, last year. I always like Max Duggan more, but uh, in Duggan, I mean, I guess that competition helped out Duggan. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm with you. Texas is kind of the overwhelming favorite, and it's weird. Because what I will say, it's hard to make an argument against them. What I will say, this is this is this is my problem. Um, Jalen Ford, who's their middle linebacker, is the preseason Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Never heard of him until he was named the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Had never heard of him. That's I said. It's probably my problem. But like I, I felt like I watched Texas quite a bit last year. No idea who that guy is. (laughs) I've heard of Trace Ford, but I think he's on OU. I guess of, uh, I, I know. I guess I, I know all the hype about Demarvian Overshone just sort of just, I guess overshadowed Jalen Ford for all of those years. I guess so. Right to listen to people so. talk about how like Demarvian Overshone being good. My only other thought on the Big Twelve, I know that based on a couple of things I read the last few days, apparently Texas Tech is kind of like the dark horse darling. I'm kind of pulling back uh, on them now. It's every, like you're not the dark horse if everyone says that you're the dark horse. It's like it was like it's like yeah. going into yeah it's like everyone saying that Iowa State is the dark horse with Brock Purdy. Yeah, I just I looked at their schedule. I mean, I see, I see seven and five, eight and four, at best for Texas Tech. I I don't see how they get to like ten wins. I'm curious. With the, I mean, Texas Tech is interesting. They were made a good season last year, and I like Joey McGuire. Um, I you know I think you made the the argument they were pretty lucky to get to seven and five last year. Um. <laughs> It's funny to say this now because it's just who OU was, but they had no business beating OU in that game. <laughs> I, I, it's, that is funny to say. It's um, <laughs> they're still like I know it was like OU's mo last year, but so many things had to had to break right for for Texas Tech to win that game, and that that's not even mention them beating Texas last year, where I mean, just so many things had to swing their way to actually win that game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Texas Tech's best shot this year of being the dark horse and being like a, an actual threat to win the conference is if Tyler Shuck is really good. That's, that's essentially their, their fastball. I, I know, I know they've kind of, a lot of people have kind of bought into the hype they, they got some transfers coming in on defense and everything. And I know Joey McGuire's talked about how much he really likes his defensive line. Um, I, they had a top 10 NFL draft pick last year and their defense still sucked. It's going to suck again this year. It's Texas Tech. Their defense is going to suck. All right. Um, well, I guess we're both picking Texas to win it, but we don't want that to happen. Well, it's it's a it's because like it's intellectually I have to on paper. There's no it's 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 pretty clear. They're on paper. Yeah. They're they're one of the clearest conference favorites in the in the country. But like, I just don't get excited about K State or TCU or yeah, yeah. Yeah, K State. I you know they. Deuce Vaughn was a was a voodoo magician, and I I do think they're going to struggle replacing him. 
Um, how much we'll see, but um, yeah, we'll see. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate that Texas is in this position and it looks like they have their, their best opportunity to kind of turn the corner that they've had in, in a really long time. And I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping that they pee down their leg because man, that would be really great. That would just be really great for everyone involved except for them, <laughs> which is why it would be great. You want to jump to national champ? I honestly don't care because I I mean, unless you have some deep thoughts about who, who's going to win it all this year. Oh, no, I don't. Uh, it's going to be Georgia or Alabama. I'm going to just say Georgia for the, the fun of a three-peat, and it's boring. So, because, yeah, I... Like the people that get super into like, oh, let's predict the top four. T- like, who cares? Like, I want to see some games first. And I, I heard somebody, gosh, I heard some random person predict that the Big Ten would get three teams in, like Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Like, you're not going to get three teams into the college football when there's only four teams in. That's ridiculous. Get out of here. It's done when there's two teams in. <sighs> but yeah, I'll just go with Georgia. Conference realignment, and I mean, we had people posting on our fa- West Fever's Facebook page asking us to talk about conference realignment, you know, upcoming SEC stuff. I, again, I'm probably going to disappoint people. I, I don't have very strong thoughts on it right now. I mean, just to kind of recap, in you know, 2024 next year, number one, the, the playoff expands finally next year to 12 teams, even though we still have some issues with the way they're doing it, you know, with the the home game and just it's it can be better uh so next year's gonna be crazy i mean next year the sec of course adds ou in texas the big 12 loses those two teams so the sec will have 16 the big 10 is gonna add usc ucla oregon and washington so the big 10 is gonna have 18 teams in it uh the big 12 after losing ou in texas though will add colorado arizona arizona state and utah to get to 16 I guess the Pac-12 is is gone. Like the ACC is going to be having some discussions with some Pac-12 teams or something, maybe or like SMU or I guess that's been kind of postponed. And so I mean, it's it's going to be a lot different. And I haven't put together a whole lot of concrete thoughts aside from sounds fun to me. Sounds super interesting. <laughs> like I want to see a bunch of different matchups, games we haven't seen before. Uh, the schedules will be fun. Uh, sure, it just would be a lot more fun, though, if Oklahoma was a team that could actually compete. And I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, you know, I um, I, I don't love a lot of this stuff. Um, if this is if this is kind of where I thought it was going, I don't... Honestly, if, if I knew this is where it was going 10 years ago, I would have I gotten off the train. I, like, I wouldn't have stopped following college football, but... Um, I and yeah, like I don't have proof of concept yet. I don't see what this is actually going to look like once it actually. But it it doesn't make me feel great. I it it feels like the sport is losing, um, is losing something with this, and um and then from an OU standpoint, the playoff going to twelve teams is just not good for OU, just not. It's really good for Alabama and Georgia and those already established SEC teams, um. Yeah, I I don't know. I it's 
I we're yeah, gonna I see just, we're I, gonna see what it looks like. We're gonna see what it looks like. And you're right, like some of those matchups are going to be fun and everything. But um, I've even when they were talking about super conferences a handful of years ago, or like even a decade ago, and say this is where it's going. Like that didn't that did not give me the warm and fuzzies. Um, I, I I do think the closer that college football gets to professional sports, the worse it gets. I guess we'll see. That's, that's fine. I, I I don't understand the argument though that an expanded playoff is not good for OU. I mean, whether the playoff is the BCS four twelve, like OU is not going to win one until they actually get back to being as good as those Georgias, Bamas, Clemson, like, and they just haven't been there. Oh, you'd and have number eight right now if the BCS was still there. They'd have played Clemson in 2017 for the national championship, and Kelly Bryant. They'd have had a chance to play for it. Doesn't mean they would have won. It's Man. one more national title they've played for since 2008. I mean, that's the that's the best team they've had since 2008. That and the only re- I mean. Minus a, a putrid defense. I mean, they won it all that year in, in the system they had because they had an awesome team. I mean, like, that we'll, was the closest they've been to the, the top dogs. Sure, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Like, we will see how the talent distribution shakes out kind of with NIL and just like what this looks like after everything. But um, OU is a long ways away from like the elite depth that like Georgia and Ohio State and them have. Um. And yeah, I mean, those are the teams that are going to win the title every year. That like the Cinderellas in the twelve team playoffs are going to be like ten and two Alabamas that are young, and are it's not it's not going to be the fun upstart teams that everybody wants it to be. Maybe, but the whole idea is that we've never seen these games. That's the whole point. We got to get to the point where we actually see the games, and get the chance to. And also, in, in, another thing, reason why this is not. It's not as good as it could be. We got to, and it's not going to happen this way. And we've had millions of podcasts on this now. Is you got to reduce the regular season, and but more importantly, conference title games got to get out of here. They're useless. They got to be eliminated. Playoff needs to get bigger, and not as much time off. Like make it like a real tournament, something that you would see every other level of football does. But, but not like also you biggest level. But I think you know that that will never happen because the the sport and like I I hate to sound like a cliche and just like a soundboard for what everyone else is saying. The sport has turned into it's just all about TV revenue. That is that's every that's what drives everything, everything. And no, I I agree. It's it would have to be a situation where somebody crunched the numbers and they decided that there would be more money in this other alternative. And, and also it would have to be a situation where the SEC would be, be okay with losing their conference championship game, which doesn't seem to ever happen because they, the SEC they will that. not do that. They will not do that. It's it would have all to be a situation where yeah. like them losing that game, they make up for that money in a different way. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's the be. talk about like everyone says or how it's like essentially like, Oh, what'll happen is, the SEC and the Big Ten, they'll just have their own championship, and then they'll just they'll just send the champions of both those conferences to, to play for the national championship. Man, if that happens, that sounds awful. That sounds so boring. That's just the NFL. That's all that is. 
Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's stupid. But like, that's kind of where it's headed. That's where it's headed. Well, if it's if it's headed to the point where there's just two giant conferences, there would need to be more than just Big Ten and SEC teams. Though. But that's where it's like that's that's where kind of the that's where I still feel a little gross, kind of joining the enemy with the SEC because like, hey, I'll give them credit. They do. The SEC cares more than everyone else. But they care. They, a lot of the time, they care more to their detriment because they don't think that there's a world outside of their world. Man, all right. Well, I the Big 12's got a lot of games. What's the most interesting? Jeez, UCF's a 36 point favorite over. You're you weren't kidding when you said that Kent State's lost their team. Holy I, I think everybody they're kind of they're like everyone sort of thinks they're by far the worst team in the FBS this year. Maybe not by far, but. I don't know how like you can be by far the worst team when you get down that low, but yeah, they're gonna be pretty bad. Yikes, man! Let's see. Look at the Big Twelve slate. I mean, obviously Colorado TCU is super intriguing. See what Dion's got. I mean, it's it's intriguing in the sense that you want to see, yeah, exactly like what Colorado looks like. Um, and also, I mean, TCU just they. TCU essentially graduated every important member of their national runner-up team. I know, I know they have some guys back on defense, but it was a defense that honestly was not really that good anyway. I, I like their defensive coordinator. They got a, they got a good DC, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what Chandler Morris is like throwing to kind of the retooled uh, group of wideouts. Also, UTSA and Houston. I mean, UTSA may not be very good, though. I mean, if, if Houston is a slight favorite, I mean, they're at home. But basically, both these teams are about even. If UTSA was supposed to be a lot better, like, good. Like, shouldn't they be a road favorite over a Houston team with a, a season win total of, like, five? <laughs> so that's kind of a weird line. I guess I don't know what UTSA's win total is. But also, Houston is a power five team as only a one-and-a-half-point favorite over UTSA. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And, of course, everyone's on Penn State. You know, I, I listened to a radio show with LeVar Arrington on it, and, of course, he uh, thinks Penn State's going to be awesome, and they have all the best players in the world on their team, which obviously they do not. But um, I'm intrigued by their new quarterback, Drew Aller, because I know he was like a five-star, but also he's like a – an early 2000s late 90s five star as in i'm pretty sure he's a statue like he's six four six five like two two twenty two thirty maybe don't think he can really move very well and i'm not sure how that plays in 2023 but i could be wrong maybe he can move i just remember watching a little bit last year he played in one of those games like on a thursday night and he came in for a couple series i think and really good arm but i remember thinking like oh, this guy's just like a big old throwback quarterback from the old days i don't do you have any thoughts on that guy do you care no i don't i mean he's i really liked um the freshman of theirs last year i really liked when i watched was nick singleton he's back he's really good with katron allen in the backfield um penn state right now is a lot of hype a lot of hype they bring back a lot of dudes from a team that won the rose bowl last year and i think a lot of the a lot of the optimism does come from drew aller the fact that they finally graduated sean clifford Finally, go to a guy who is who is more talented, you know, on paper. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, you know, Bruce Feldman always grabs a lot of headlines every single offseason with his freaks list, quote unquote. Uh, there's a lot of Penn State guys on that, so I think that's what's driving a lot of the conversation. Um, from I guess you know, basically what everyone is talking about, like Penn State and Michigan are pretty much the exact same team. Michigan just has JJ McCarthy, and Penn State has more question marks there. Hmm. Okay. Definitely. I mean, I mean Penn State will probably drub West Virginia. Uh, it's Neil Brown's probably final year there. <laughs> it's at Penn State too. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no like West Virginia was picked to finish last in the Big 12. And I, I, I that seems to me at this point in time to be a pretty, pretty reasonable pick. Um, They were they, West, they were bad. They were really bad last year. Like I said, that West Virginia team that OU lost to last year was the worst team that an Oklahoma football team has <laughs> lost to in a really long time, like a really long time. All right, let's make some picks. We always pick five games every single week. I can't remember how well we did last year. I feel like we, we did. We stop keeping track at some point. I don't know. There's no, been times when we've done we've done okay. I don't think we stopped keeping track. I think we uh, we probably look it up. Pretty good one on Thursday night, huh? I didn't know this was a Thursday game. Florida at number fourteen, Utah. That's the first one we're going with, huh? Well, I mean, we just go in order here. It's it's a pretty um, for a week one slate, really light schedule this this week. Um, the only uh, the only ranked versus ranked matchup is actually on Sunday night. Classic. Uh, I mean, first of all, Florida going to Utah. That's pretty interesting. I know last year this time we we're like, oh, it's pretty fun first week one matchup. Florida and Utah. What's going it was on? A really good Florida? game last year. Really good game. Florida's got a new quarterback. Utah doesn't. But, uh, but it's also nobody has SEC any idea if he's going to play. Oh, really? Yeah, he's hurt. He's kind of rising. He, he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl. Oh, he did? No, yeah, he's just been that. kind of, you know, he's he said that he expects to play, but it's uh, nobody knows. Man, what a terrible number. I hate that. Of course, it's six and a half. I know if it was seven, they'd get a lot of, a lot of people biting on Florida. You know what? Florida at Utah, six and a half. You know, Lee's going to go with the home favorite. Didn't Florida win last year? They sure did. Yeah, they're probably going to win again. I'll take it back. No, don't second guess yourself. I'm going Utah. Who you got? I'm going Florida now. After that. I, I I don't I have no idea. Um, we don't if Cam Rising is 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 playing and, and if he's healthy. I mean, at six and a half Utah is a pretty easy number there. I have no idea if he's playing. And huh? I know and like I I don't expect Utah to be like super explosive on offense, even if he is playing. All right, next up, Colorado at TCU, and I, I'm I like Deion Sanders, but I think. There's just not a whole lot of positivity surrounding that program right now with all the people leaving like he was I, – I don't know. I mean, 20 and a half, though, is a big old number, which is telling me that – that I think that's telling me that they're not very high in Colorado. Uh, I know they get a lot of hype. I'm going to go TCU to cover that. It's a big old number just because, again, I'm, I, I got to see 
see it to believe it from Dion in Colorado. I know, I think his first year at, um, what was it, Jackson State wasn't too terribly great. Like, it wasn't bad, but, like, it, they, it wasn't until the next year where they were, you know, winning all these games and everything. So, first year somewhere, changing around the culture of the program. Are you sure about that? Pretty sure. I like, like, I don't up. think Dion right. came in and was, like, immediately awesome. I think he may have been. But, like, honestly, it's it's easier to do it at that level. I think he was there for two years, right? Yeah, they went 11-2 and two in 2021. They went 12-1 and one last year. They played. Okay. Yeah, I think he was only at Jackson State for two years, and he went, he went twenty three and three at Jackson State. Okay, well I take it back. I was wrong. I had heard bad information. Still going TCU though. Yeah, I'm gonna take TCU there as well. Um, I mean, Colorado's got a lot of like really good individual players. Um, I think I think sort of the assumption there is that a lot of the guys that transferred in were not on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, so I think the assumption is that they're going to get absolutely run uh, in that aspect of the game. Um, and actually, you know, TCU, they, they bring back some dudes on 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 both lines. So, um, yeah, you know, I, it's, I guess we're, we're going to see. We're going to see. Although, I mean, it would, it, I'd love it if TCU struggled with Colorado because TCU's in the Big 12, and I would like all Big 12 teams to suck. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up is UTSA at Houston. Houston, a one-and-a-half-point home favorite. Since I was talking up the Cougs earlier, I'll just go with Houston in this game. I'm going to go with UTSA. Okay. I think, I think Dana Holgerson is kind of a clown. Oh, and yeah. he's, he's one of those guys who just kind of always seems like he just wants to be put out of his misery. <laughs> So somebody fire right, this guy and give him like a give him a, a like a severance check of a few million dollars. Just let him go, just live his life, so he don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> uh, our fourth game, number twenty one, North Carolina, a two and a half point road favorite. Although, is this a uh, is this a neutral site game? Potentially? Neutral site. All right, neutral site game. North Carolina, two and a half point favorites against South Carolina. What are they playing in like Car- like in uh, Charlotte Carolina, or something? It's at the, yeah, I think it's yeah. at where the Panthers play. I mean, it's how much do you want to back uh, old, our boy Spence and old Shane, Spence and Shane? Um, I, I, I mean, this we're too close to it, so I'll go with SC. I'm also going to go with South Carolina. Um, no, I like I, Shane I, Beamer. I think I think Drake May is. I, I think Drake May is really good. I, oh, that's every, right, Drake May's there. Every single yeah. time I watched North Carolina, I was really impressed by him. Um. They, they, we don't know about his number one receiver yet. If he doesn't have his number, I mean, that's big. I mean, that's the, I think wide receiver is maybe the third most important position in college football. And it's, I, they may not have their number one guy. So SC with uh, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, he does have his number one guy. So there you go. And finally, is there not going to be, is there any game on Monday night? Or just Sunday night? There is. Uh, the Monday night game is Clemson and Duke. <laughs> okay. Because Sunday night you got uh, LSU and Florida State. Top 10 matchup. Same as what we saw last year. 
Um, I know. I've, I mean, Florida State's that dark horse, like playoff title contender. I know this year, but uh, I know they have a good recruiting class. That quarterback's good, so I'd like to kind of be like, okay, pump the brakes on Florida State, but I don't know enough about them to really push back yet. Um, I mean, I feel like a really, really good team would have been able to beat down that OU team by more than just a field goal last year in the bowl game. But man, that's just me. That was Florida uh, State. I'll go LSU. Full strength too. They didn't have any opt outs. Yeah. That was their full team. I'll go with LSU. You know, this is a big Brian Kelly podcast. I know we both like BKL. <laughs> Nobody calls him BKL. Uh, I'll go with LSU. Uh, I think we went LSU last year, and I did. Florida State won last year, though, didn't they? They didn't did. They knock off LSU. Like a field goal or something like that. So uh, no, they that, were. That, um, yeah, well, LSU tied it right at the end, but they missed the extra point to send it into overtime. Oh God, yeah, that's right. I'll go LSU. LSU is laying two and a half. This has got to be. Uh, is this a neutral site game as well? Sure is. Believe it is in um, okay. Atlanta. That would make sense. I think it's like the it's like the the Chick Fil A kickoff or whatever. Oh, it's in Orlando. Oh. Actually. So, so it's like, it's a, like a, a closer. Well, where's Orlando in Florida? It's where they played. That's where that's, that's where they played OU last year. Probably no, I know, same stadium. But in, as far like Orlando to Tallahassee. I, I think they're it's, far. Orlando's in the southern f- part of the state. Tallahassee's in the northern part of the state. Oh, well, still closer for Florida State, obviously. But still a four-hour drive, but obviously a lot, lot farther from uh, – from Baton Rouge. This but. one's kind of tough, actually. Because, um, like, one thing that, like, I... I'm actually going to go with Florida State in this one. Um, the one takeaway... And, yeah, I, I thought I thought Florida State's their, you know, their full-strength team last year and OU without a lot of key guys, I thought both those teams were pretty much even. Uh, but one difference was I, I thought... I think their quarterback's really good. I think he's great. I didn't come away from that game thinking he was great, as in like, man, this is like one of the best guys in the country. But I remember thinking he was good. Like, yeah, oh, he's a good player. So they also have you know Johnny Wilson, the big giant receiver who mossed Ryan Broyles there at the end of the game. Not Ryan Broyles, Justin Broyles. <laughs> Jeez, he didn't really do much at all last season. And then, because I remember, like, he was kind of an enigma. It's like, how is this guy not having a bigger year, I feel like? Because he, I watched some of his, some of their games, and he's like, this dude was huge. He should, and his stats were kind of like, eh. And then, of course, against OU, he was great. <laughs> but they, they stopped have, throwing to him, though. They, they stopped got, going to him. They have Keon yeah. Coleman, too, who is Michigan State's number one guy, and who's also huge. Man, I like those big guys. So that's I how do. you... Say, man, that's that's how you beat like the SEC teams that have really great NFL defensive talent, just with wide receivers. That's how you beat them. Ceedee Lamb. Whew, okay. Well, to recap, our pick sure to be wrong in Week One: Florida at Utah. I am on Utah minus six and a half. Grant is on Florida plus a six and a half. Colorado at TCU. We are both on the Horn Frogs laying 20 and a half. We're split on UTSA in Houston. I'm taking the Cougars laying a point and a half. Grant is taking the point and a half with the road UT, UTSA team. You almost got it there. I thought, were you trying to go with what their mascot was? You're close. The road, oh, the road runners? They're the road no. runners. With the road runner team? 
Uh, we're both on South Carolina catching two and a half against North Carolina, I believe playing in Charlotte, according to Grant. And finally, we are split on LSU and Florida State. I will grab the Tigers minus two and a half in Orlando against Florida State. Grant will take the two and a half and Florida State playing kind of a home homish game. Uh, a lot closer, but we'll know, you know, LSU fans will travel just fine. So there'll be plenty of Tigers fans there as well. So we're split on three of the three of the five going into week one. All right. Well, uh, let's see. The plan will be, I think what we'll try to do. If we can, we should try to knock out the post-game OU Arkansas State podcast the day of on Saturday because we're going to be watching it together. So we should be able to hopefully just kind of maybe get on right away and knock that out and get the post-game podcast out out for you. Uh, and that way we'll be set and then kind of try to figure out the week of before uh, week two of college football. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, enjoy week one OU at Arkansas State if you're going to the game. Stay cool, I guess. Again, uh, Grant and I will be watching it in Minnesota on television, and we'll be back on the podcast to talk all about game number one here, uh, either Saturday or if I get it posted on Sunday. We shall see. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also... Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.